0: country music i love country music
1: country music, country music. Country. the future country music's looking good
0: i love it country confidential
1: eyes are really highs and then you start to feel like you're plateauing and the lows are really low then you just got to learn to just like i said take it day by day and i think that's what's kind of helped me keep my eye on the ball at all times but definitely really cool it's opened a lot of doors and i'm really thankful that she was able to be a part of that when she was and uh, you know it's helped.
0: Missouri native Roman Alexander is doing country music his way. Pulling from childhood influences like Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley, this young crooner's drive and willingness to learn have landed him smack dab in the middle of Music City. With millions of streams and a strong fan base, Roman is now ready for the next step. His new EP, Downtime, represents that next level. The five-song EP puts Roman's heart and soul on display perfectly. Backed by some good old Midwest integrity, Roman is determined to make it. Okay, great. So... I went down to the very bottom of your Instagram. So you didn't have to. So in my searching, I found a picture of you in the bathtub. Yeah. A picture, <laughs> a little it
1: was, picture. Hopefully it wasn't a current one. <laughs> no, no.
0: no, it was you and you were little, but I think the one that I liked when I was kind of scrolling through going down to the bottom is there's a picture of you on stage in this like corduroy white quarter zip. Yeah. And you had kind of captioned, uh, you know, two strings and a Johnny Cash song. Do you remember that day or like talk to me? You looked a little like you couldn't have been more than five.
1: Yeah, I was six years old Um, and my uh, my uncle was getting married at the time. So um, I my my uncle Jim is uh, it's actually. It's my uncle's best friend, but I consider him Uncle Jim. You know, he's been there since the beginning. So, uh, he's got a country band back home called Outlaw Jim and the Whiskey Benders. So, it kind of started with me, like getting up on stage with him and doing these little open mics. Um, but that right there was the first time I ever got up and like actually played with him and his band. Because originally it was just me, like you know, him and the acoustic guitar, and I would just sing along. But that was the full one. That was the first time I ever did that. Um, and then that was the night that started everything so it's really cool to have a picture documented of that when it that was like the first time I got up on stage the bug bit me and I had never
0: stopped oh my gosh I love it but I also know you know what I mean you are from Missouri I'm from yeah. Illinois so Midwest kids I have to ask you what is one of your favorite like Midwest delicacies like food wise <laughs> like I feel like we are such like a meat and potatoes land but like, yeah go elsewhere I'm like man I really just want fill in the blank. So like, are there things when you are, you know, in Nashville that you're excited to go home to Missouri and like eat at the diner because it's the only place you can get this,
1: (laughs) you know, um, I'm not, so Kansas city is known for barbecue, which is where I'm from. So, you know, I have a lot of family in St. Louis, so they get the Italian food and and whatnot. And you know how that goes. (laughs) I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't know if it's specifically a Kansas City thing. I love chicken wings, but you can kind of get chicken wings everywhere. So, if we're talking like Midwest uh, and not just city specific, just Midwest specific, I think just steak in general, just any kind of like uh, red meat that I can eat that I, I normally wouldn't. I mean, for instance, I was in Key West and there was ribs on the menu, there's steak on the menu, and I couldn't even fathom ordering steak. I'm like, I'm in the Keys. Why would I not order seafood? You know, but when I go home, it's more special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was wondering if like you, Kansas city kind of had like a a regional specialty. I know where my grandparents are in central Illinois, they have something called a horseshoe and it's literally just meat covered in French fries, covered in cheese sauce. So whenever I go to my grandparents, like that is what I want.
1: (laughs) That sounds like something uh, I would order pretty regularly um, when I'm not trying to diet because that's you know you're trying to go out on the road in the fall you know you want to be in shape but that's see stuff like that anytime there's cheese on stuff that's where my weakness is is the more cheese the better
0: I love it so you're from Kansas City it's a big Uh football town but you already mentioned it's a big barbecue town what is the go-to barbecue spot in your opinion in Kansas City
1: well you know I'm not a big barbecue fan in general it's just not my thing but (laughs) if I I think from what people have talked about, there's always a new barbecue restaurant that pops up every year, but the yeah. one that over time, there's like three, there's Gates, Arthur Bryant's and Kansas city Joe's, which are like the three main that people go to. Um, and there's another one called Q39. It's really expensive, but um, it's just all overpriced me. It's just yeah. in my opinion.
0: I know. I prefer when my dad just does it on his Traeger in his backyard and he yep. pays for it. And like, I don't have to pay for it. Yeah. I yeah. It always
1: that. tastes better when somebody else pays for it.
0: I know. I'm like, thanks dad. But are you a Kansas city chiefs fan? Let's talk about it. Oh yeah.
1: It. I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. I always have been because okay. yeah, growing up, they were not, they were, they were not the not greatest good. team of all time. <laughs> and every year was a disappointment. We would always get close to the playoffs or the AFC championship. We'd always lose it. And uh, it was always just a disappointment until, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey came in, Tyree kill at the time came in. So I love I love my Kansas City Chiefs. I'm a really big supporter. I don't dislike the Royals as far as baseball goes. I'm just happen to be a Cardinals fan because I'm family's oh, from you know.
0: No. I don't think well, we can use you this interview. Right? <laughs> what do you say?
1: You're a Cubs fan, right?
0: I'm a massive Cubs fan. Like That's all right like massive Cubs fan, like it's in my will. When I die, I want my family to put me in a big gulp cup and dump me on Wrigley field. And if they get arrested, that's not my problem.
1: You know, that's, that sounds like a good plan, but I will tell you uh, if, if I remember correctly, wasn't it like 130 years before you won a world series?
0: I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny because my grandpa grew up in that area when he was little and remembered all of that. And that was the only time I've ever seen my grandpa cry was when they won. So it was a big deal. But let's not talk yeah. about that. I'm getting a little yes. salty. You're getting a little salty. But I think Cubs <laughs> cards, we're placing a bet. We're going to, like, bet some bourbon, some lanterns, like there's a full-blown bet that's going to happen
1: <laughs> hey i you know the, the cards aren't looking good this year and i don't dislike the cubs though I, I have a lot of family who like can't stand them i've always thought the cubs have really cool uniforms you know back when i was in high, high school i remember always thinking the cubs always had the prettiest fans like the girls were always the prettiest and everybody was ever the music was always good at wrigley field they always had a good environment it's just a place you have to put on your bucket list that you got to go visit
0: and the food's really good. And apparently, did you hear this? They're building a tin roof in Wrigleyville.
1: Well, guess uh, I'll be attending.
0: Yeah, right. I know. I was like, and there goes my entire month's budget At, yeah. But I'm excited because then more people can come through. You know what I mean? I think that opens up kind of Chicago to a lot more country music. So I'm excited.
1: You know, what's funny? Um, I... I don't know if I'm supposed to. say, I don't even care. I, I it it's no nothing's a surprise anymore on these days. <laughs> right. um, I got I got scheduled to to go to uh, and play. I think something at the White Sox game the night before opening night at Carol's Pub, and so I, I I I was like, okay, cool. The White the White Sox. I don't have any any beef with them, but they're playing the Kansas City Royals that night. Which is my hometown. So I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I was like oh such no. a, yeah, I look like such a bad hometown native, but I'm like, whatever. Who cares? It's the White it Sox. Is,
0: it, it's for work. So I love it. But I also know that you are a John, like a giant Johnny Cash fan. I know that that was kind of what helped you get into music. So talk to me about music when you were little and kind of some of the things that were playing in the house and how you got hooked on Johnny. I feel like that's a very niche thing for a little boy to love. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, well, so the Johnny Cash thing came from I've always been a big Elvis fan in general. But the big one for me was like was Johnny Cash, because there was always that mystique and mysteriousness about him. And he was just, you know, when you're a little kid and you hear somebody with such a deep voice, it's 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 moving. It's powerful. And so uh, my dad put on Johnny Cash's greatest hits and the Ring of Fire came on. And it was the coolest thing I've ever heard. I thought that was just so unique. And and I'm Mexican, so it has like that mariachi, you know, Chihano trumpet and brass section mixed with country. And I, that was just something so cool to me and so foreign at the same time. So that started my obsession. And then it led to me doing Folsom Prison Blues at my second grade talent show tryouts. And, you know, where it says like he shot a man in Reno. I took the guitar and held it like a gun and like did like the scene from like walking Phoenix from walk the line. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I didn't get a spot in the spot talent show that year. So.
0: Why did you have to audition? Like, aren't we still giving like participation trophies in second grade? Like that's pretty cutthroat.
1: You know, these days I feel like maybe that's the case But back then. I don't know. It seemed a little bit more hardcore. I mean, it, yeah, it was, I remember getting, I like auditioned for like four different talent shows throughout the years while I was in elementary school middle school never got one so
0: well suck it right <laughs> yeah maybe I didn't try I mean. hard enough. Yeah. but were other kids doing music you know what I mean I'm thinking about I was kind of thinking back to my childhood and we had a couple kids that you know we would have garage bands or we actually had one kid I went to high school with they were a pretty successful screamo band but like You know, kids really weren't doing music. We were a really big sports community. Did you kind of find that you fell into kind of that same, I guess, thing of more sports and less music?
1: I think there's always, for me at least, and and just being from the Midwest like yourself, like there's always that pressure to play sports. You know, it's a big football, big baseball. For me, I played rugby. And so it was kind of already a taboo thing to do. And I wrestled. So that was already kind of like a, that was the more normal thing to do Um, you know but I I was wrestling playing rugby and then you know obviously in middle school played play football just tried to like fit in you know try to be the cool kids Uh, and then I just found that I wearing cowboy boots to school and you know not wearing my Nike slides and joggers just didn't I like to dress up it felt something was just a little bit more nicer to be elevated and so um, that was my high school years was was playing bars and passing out flyers to the girls to come to the show. And and I was playing every weekend. So I skipped prom most years. I skipped homecoming. Uh, and then at the cost of, of having to quit sports eventually, just because I was playing so much.
0: I love it. When did the Elvis hair come into play? Or was that something that you've always wanted? Like I said, when I was digging deep down into your early, yeah. early instagram days that elvis hair has been the one thing that has remained so did that yeah. kind of come along as you were like starting to find your voice that you're like i'm gonna get into character and just have some elvis hair
1: <laughs> you know well and i have really thick hair so okay. and like that comes from me being mexican so yeah. like i have that thick hair there's not much i can do so i, I can either shave it You know, grow it out and slick it back. And then I think that takes on a little bit of the Elvis pompadour look. Um, And then the older I'm getting, the more curlier my hair is getting. So I'm starting to like, just like let it go shaggy and just kind of do whatever it does. But I feel like that was the one thing, um, you know, without trying to be Elvis that I was like, you know, it shows my inspiration. I love James Dean. I love Marlon Brando. I love, you know, Paul Newman and Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash where they all have in common They had good hair. So I was like, what I want something like that.
0: Maybe you should do a cover album of all of those guys and just call it Good Hair.
1: Honestly, that's a great idea. I will be making a call to management tomorrow.
0: Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But talk to me about those early days of kind of trying to find your voice. Were you playing covers? Were you playing originals when you were skipping prom and playing at the bar? Kind of what did your early days and your early set look like?
1: Well, you know, when you're playing in Kansas City, there's not many places to play, especially at the time. Is part out from Parkville, Missouri, which is like 15 minutes outside KC. So you might as well say Kansas City. Um, there's a place called Al's Bar and Grill and then Frank James Saloon. Al's is still there. They have the best chicken wings anywhere in the country, in my opinion. So good. Um, and they're just a mom and pop bar. They're like the neighborhood bar. So they're they're good people. And, and Al's a big part of my, my childhood and growing up. But um, that was, you know, you played four-hour sets. At Owls, you did the open mics, the two hour set or hour and a half, and then you go over to Frank and James on the weekends and play four hour sets or three and a half hour sets and be packed with high school kids in a bar. So technically, they weren't really supposed to be there, but you know, you do what you got to do. And my uncle owned it, so it was allowing me to play as much as I wanted. Yeah, and uh, I'm surprised I didn't get shut down, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, at the time, you know, Floor Georgia Line was big, you know. So, Sam Hunt was, was coming on the scene and I was in, I was in high school. So this is 2014, 2013, 2014, and 2015. And, um, you know, I was having, I was having to play some of the newer covers. I was having to, I was trying to throw in some originals, but those were terrible songs. And then I was also trying to, um, you know, play some of the things that inspired me, the Johnny Cash's, the Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson's, the Merle Haggard's, um, You know, you got to make the blue collar boys happy and then you got to make the 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 high school girls happy. So I had to have the perfect balance. Um, And I think it taught me how to please a crowd. So those really were the early years for me until I started going and playing college shows, which was a totally different thing to play for sorority girls and fraternity Uh, boys.
0: Yeah, I went to Eastern Illinois and we had quite a few guys come through. I don't even remember who they are, but that was. Those are my favorite shows. We're just like the randos coming through town and putting on a show. But talk to me about when you decided you needed to be in Nashville. What was that discussion like with your family?
1: This is one of my favorite things to talk about because um, I got to go on tour with them last year. And that's the Sam Hunt discussion, because at the time when I was in high school, I had I, I can't I still can't remember if I was a towards the end of my sophomore year or the beginning of my junior year, it's like 2013 Montevallo was getting ready with like single for the summer on it and, and break up in a small town and take your time. So um, I was in art class and I heard this girl named Adele playing her. Adele Royal was playing. That was her name. She was playing the song and it just sounded so odd i knew it was country but it was different it just had this weird thing to it and so i got really mesmerized and enamored by it and i remember being at first a stubborn boy in me was like you know who the hell is that that guy's not country but who is it you know and um she was like oh i can't believe never heard of him his name is sam hunt he's brand new but he's so good i was like well i've never heard of him so the girl I was dating at the time was in college. I thought I was real hot shit because she was, was in college. Sure. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh so those I sorority
0: shows over. worked out for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. You no, know, that's actually how I got some of them. Because she would talk to one of her friends in a fraternity and he would be like, Hey, we need somebody for tonight, the show or this weekend, and they pay good mostly in alcohol, and then you yep. party okay. all the weekend long. You know you making the weekend trip out of it i used to tell my mom i was going to stay over at a friend's house and then call my band and we'd just load up and go to columbia missouri and play or lawrence kansas so mm-hmm. yeah we were i was breaking rules in, in many different ways mm-hmm. but um so she i she was the girl i was dating at the time was like hey do you want to go up and see uh, a concert with me in uh in columbia i was like yeah sure There's a place called the blue note i've got to play there a few times and, and enjoy it. it was cool um, but I remember I was a broke high school kid I didn't have any money so I asked my mom for some money for gas and I ended up driving my little Subaru up to um, Columbia Missouri and we went to the show and sure enough the guy on stage was Sam Hunt and so oh, you way. know maybe 350 400 people were there and it was just all girls yeah. and when he got he started, I forgot what song it had to have been take your time because he got out in the crowd he like jumped in the crowd and girls were pulling a shirt and they were you know freaking out but I remember not only seeing that and be like wow that's really cool I remember thinking the guy's songwriting is amazing like that was the first time I actually heard a songwriter and it dragged me in and I was like oh That's what songwriting is like in Nashville in the current age. I related to it because it was modern. It was new. And um, then obviously add the girls into the mix. And I was like, I want to do what that guy does for a living. So, you know, sure enough, the next year after I graduated high school told my mom, I was moving uh, a week before I moved, uh, packed up the car when I turned 18, drove to Nashville with $700 in my pocket that I had worked, working for my mom at a car dealership. And then, you know, Uh, my car had a little bit of trouble in East St. Louis, which was a little scary. Oh no! (laughs) Yeah. And I got, but I got to Nashville eventually. And my buddy, um, you know, fast forward, one of my best friends, my best friend today um, was my manager at the time and he negotiated, you know, he paid my rent for like three months so I could stay in this little tiny room and uh, you know, still continues to be one of my best friends today.
0: I love it. I feel like a lot of people, when they first moved to Nashville, they're kind of used to being one of the best in their area. And then they move to Nashville and they're with everybody that thinks that they're their best in the area. So maybe that was one of the struggles that you had, but talk to me about some of the struggles that you had in those early weeks and months being in Nashville.
1: Well, first and foremost, I was more struggling to feed myself. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have any money. I was dead broke. You know, I, I, I had spent all my money on trying to record stuff, which was, It look back now, I'm like, God, it was so early for me to record anything. I didn't know who I was, what I sounded like. I was surprised I even knew my own name. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I was trying to just figure out life while still trying to be a kid and, and party and enjoy life. But I was working a job at the gym, washing gym equipment. For the most rude, evil boss at the time, he was so mean. <laughs> and then um, I ended up working at the Audi dealership where I was washing cars. Nice. And so, you know, you're making eight fifty to ten dollars an hour, but you're trying to work as much as you possibly can. And the rents in Nashville's expensive, and you know, so I slept in my car for a little bit. So that was uh, that was the, just the struggle was just trying to figure out how to make a living. And then once you do that. I, the way I looked at it was like: wake up today, get what you'd have to do all day, work, go to sleep. At least you can say you learned something throughout the day. Try to learn a skill, and then wake up and repeat the same thing the next day. And just these little victories, you know, every single day, taking it day by day. Um, and the the main struggles. I mean, we're always we're artists, so we're always dealing with struggles, and there's always um things but I think going through those early days of just trying to figure out how to make a living how to feed myself um that was that was I don't think there's any been a, a bigger challenge and I think I'm more proud of myself for getting not not going home
0: because yeah, I didn't want to
1: totally go home and be a yeah. failure
0: yeah I feel like probably that crosses a lot of people's minds like wow it would be so much easier if I just went home did you yeah. have, did you was there a big moment like that or were you able to kind of input yourself into a community and just we're like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to stay here. This is what I want.
1: No, I never had one of those moments. Um, but I also didn't have a community either. Okay. I, um, I, I wasn't 21, so I couldn't go out to the bars. Every time I got a fake ID, it lasted about two days and it got taken from me. So I'd order a fake ID every freaking three months. <laughs> and, um, you know, then you spend more time waiting for it. And then I'm like, damn, yeah. I'm already closer to 21 now that I've you know so I I didn't have a lot of friends a lot of my friends that were in Nashville went to Belmont so then they've already kind of developed their own their own clique and their own crew and so my my best friend Tanner was really the um was just the the only person I I hung out with but he's always had this really cool trait about him he's really good at business and so I learned a lot business-wise from him and then I surrounded myself with older people Mm -hmm. and he's like just get good at one thing Right now, social media is the thing. So get good at Instagram. TikTok wasn't around. Just post videos on Instagram, and we'll just start from there. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then eventually it caught some attention. And then people started showing interest. And that eventually led to me getting, you know, a, a publishing deal while I was a merch guy on the road. So, you know, dealing with that that was that was pretty interesting. But I think uh, sorry to jump around, but being a merch guy um, that was when i kind of built my community as you know for per se that was kind of when i found the people that were artists and i can learn from them you know i was on the road with easton corbin and shenandoah and jody messina so i got to learn from really cool people um and i just was a sponge i just took it in i didn't i didn't try to have opinions on anything i just listened to everybody and that's i think benefited more than anything else
0: yeah i think for me you know what I mean I first saw your stuff when you collabed with Ashley Cook And that yep. has now caught fire I just took a peek You're at almost 30 million streams on Spotify alone On that collab The Between You and Me with Ashley So talk to me about the significance of that moment And how you feel like it's kind of catapulted to you Where you find yourself now
1: Well, okay The one thing I won't ever do is is bullshit Yeah, I'm very <laughs> I'm very honest, I'm very open. I, I i won't sugarcoat how I feel about anything. I you know you go through highs and lows like we talked about. that is a really cool moment for me to be able to say I had that many streams because some people work their whole entire career in Never. you know coming to Nashville to get a million streams. so to have you know twenty five plus million or twenty seven plus million or I don't know how it's at now, but yeah. um. That there was an original version that has like over 13 million and then there's the Ashley cook version. So it's cool. It's really cool. And it's done a lot for me. It's allowed me to get some opportunities, but you know, the one thing you have to keep momentum going. And sometimes you get momentum, you get a lot of steam. The highs are really highs and then you start to feel like you're plateauing. and The lows are really low. Then you just got to learn to just, like I said, take it day by day. And I think that's what's kind of helped me keep my eye on the ball at all times, but definitely really cool it's opened a lot of doors and I'm really thankful that she was able to be a part of that when she was. And uh, you know, it's helped.
0: I love it. I was also digging around on your Spotify and there's a really cute baby picture. I love that. There's a theme of you sharing baby pictures. I think that's super fun, but you have this made me playlist. And you kind of talk about how that there's so many songs on there that have helped shape your vision. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, I guess I need to update that because I haven't updated in a while. But, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of... I'm I'm highly inspired by older stuff, but also newer things. There's always something new that comes on the horizon that catches my ear that maybe I don't talk about or admit, but I like to listen. Like I said, I'm a sponge. I like to take things in. So even if people don't think I'm paying attention or watching, I'm always watching, always listening. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely new stuff that's inspired me. There's older stuff that's inspired me, but I think the common theme with that is there's always something that, um, you know, is making me who I am and and shaping me. So I think I use my childhood pictures and and that those parts of my life, because that's when you're learning the most is when you're a kid, you're getting inspired. Um, and I'm always, I feel like I'm always a kid, you know, I'm always taking things in. So that's kind of my approach with it.
0: I love that. So, you know what I mean? Also totally creeping through your Instagram. I saw you met Owen Wilson. What yeah. is that story? <laughs> he looks higher than a kite. Am I right in that thinking?
1: <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. higher than a kite, I assume. And I wouldn't expect anything less from him. He was in, he's in, he's in Maui. And so that's where we were. We were there for the BMI Songwriter Festival. So the first night for the festival, um, one of the current owners of the publishing company and label I'm on, uh, it was at his house. Okay. Beautiful house that overlooks the ocean in Maui and BMI was there and it, it was a private house party. So I was I didn't have music out yet, yet. Cocktail Conversations was like still like four months, five months away from being released. And um uh, it was myself, my producer, uh Cassie Ashton, Miranda Lambert, Marin Morris, Luke Dick, uh Lucas Nelson, and so I, I was the first artist up to play it was really weird it was odd I don't know why I was there I just was and I played cocktail conversations but the opening note there's only a member there's like only 100 120 people there
0: yeah
1: and and I'm not one of those people who knows faces really well so if you're famous most chances I won't know who you are don't really care either but if you're cool we'll hang out we'll talk yeah. and I'll probably talk your ear off but I was playing the the opening night opening note to, to cocktail conversations, and I look in the front row, and there's Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson sitting there. <sighs> and I tell you, like that's my, the my hand, in. yeah, <laughs> I froze. My my hand literally froze. I started shaking, and he, Willie could tell I was like, I couldn't like. I was like, holy shit, that's Willie Nelson. That's like one of my favorite people of all time. Everybody's favorite person. of all
0: time. He's my favorite, yeah.
1: But then there's Chris Christopherson.
0: Christopherson. Mm-hmm.
1: They got to literally hang out. And meet elvis you know once upon a time and then they got to they got to know johnny cash and so i was like thinking like these people have been they're like dinosaurs yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm looking at them and willie just like looked at me like smiled and nodded his head like you got it and i was like okay and so i played it all the way through i actually felt like i crushed it at the time and uh i got a standing ovation from him and it was just really cool uh moment so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go celebrate. I got shit-faced. I went and drank at that party way more than I was supposed to. And sure enough, I look over this Owen Wilson. And you know how his thing is to say wow? Yeah, wow. You know, yeah. He's always like, wow, you know? <laughs> and uh, I heard him say wow. And I was like, no shit. This is actually real. It's legit. I heard this guy say wow. Um, so I went up to him. I was like, can I get a picture with you? He's like, yeah, sure. Walks off. I was like okay sounds good and then he saw that I was kind of like dude what the hell and he was like all right come on and like took a picture with me and that was really cool so that was that party that night and then I ended up spending you know the the rest of the week there in Maui and got to meet some really cool people and hang out with people like him and and stuff like that so
0: oh my god you got to perform for half of the highwaymen I'm like hyperventilating through the screen here
1: (laughs) yeah it was really cool I don't I that's a once in a lifetime kind of thing you know you don't usually, I, I will, I could confidently say, I probably won't ever get to do that again,
0: you know? That's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But I want to talk to you about being on the road with Old Dominion and kind of, yeah. I mean, I know you had a couple shows with them. Talk to me about things that you picked up from their live performance. You know I mean? They're one of my favorites to see live. Uh, you know, yeah. when Matt was crippled, you know what I mean? At Stagecoach. Yeah on quite the show so kind of talk to me about some things you picked up from those guys
1: well I'm uh out of that group I've written with with Brad and Trevor and my publishing company that I'm on um has Trevor Rosen and so I've spent a lot of time with him and and, you know I got to know him he's he's a great guy he's fun to hang out with he's a party I and is literally they live it um but I think for me, I didn't realize how many songs they wrote. Yeah. I mean, that their live show, they literally will bust out during the set and play you know, half the songs, if not all the songs they've written. And it takes a good 20 minutes out of the set. And that's really cool because they'll play a verse and chorus. So to play take 20 minutes out just to play a verse and chorus for each guy was really wild to see. Um, so that's what I learned from them most. But more importantly, just how they treat their staff. I'm a firm believer you take good care of your guys. They'll always take good care of you. And those guys are notorious for taking good care of those, their people, which is, you know, always really uh, admirable and really cool to see.
0: I love it. So enough about everybody else. Let's talk about the new EP. I love it. I know you have <laughs> music video for the title track coming out, which I'm already obsessed with. But talk to me about, you. mean, how you sourced some of these songs and how you, You mean, obviously you wrote a couple of them as well, but how did you piece together this EP? I feel like it was so thoughtful how you kind of placed all the songs uh, even down to the order that they were in
1: the order i gotta give it to my team my publisher travis uh was really big advocate on the order he was really dead set on having the order be xyz how it needs to be done like he he had it i mean months 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 before he had it mapped out in his head of like how he heard it he's like i feel like having yours at the top will be like a a movie starting and it will give the telling st- tale and then it gets wild and then it ends with a really like powerful love song like and i was like okay cool that sounds good to me he had the two and then we just kind of filled in everything in between uh, based on energy and performance and you know there's all the weird stuff that goes into it but it took some time uh to put it together to put it in context uh you saw me play at joe's uh yeah like 2021.
0: Which, 21, end of 21. yeah with and
1: that was the first day i heard fried green tomatoes
0: really i love that so song. yeah
1: that was the song i heard that day and then that same batch was uh yours and so my, my a sent those to me, I heard them and I was like, no shit. Okay. That's really cool. Fragrance green tomatoes was just an acoustic vocal. Yours was pretty much there, you know, just needed my vocal on it. Um, and that was, that was the first day I heard it was when we were pulling into Chicago and that was really cool.
0: It's a good omen come to yeah check out more. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> yeah i'm really excited i'm I, I will tell you i'm really excited to eat some food there i'm excited that's why i'm I'm excited to play the show there opening night but i think it's gonna be really cool to just be able to take it in because i'm gonna be there for the day before too so
0: it's pretty fun very fun Know yeah. your title track was written by the guys of restless road so i yeah. think that is just so cool i feel like you guys you know very similar styles and stuff like that so talk to me about when you heard that song and why you felt like it needed to be the title track.
1: So I actually skipped over it on accident. Really? I heard. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a big advocate on cutting outside songs. I, I you know, the EP is a, f- a perfect mixture. It's 50, 50 on songs I've written and songs that I uh, outside songs. So I kind of wanted it structured like that. Um, but downtime was a song that got sent to me and it had in that email, it was one tequila and downtime and i was like oh okay one tequila is really cool put that right there let's do that and then downtime uh i just kind of accidentally skipped over and i remember i heard another song in that same email there was like three songs the last song i didn't like and so when my publisher was like hey did you listen to downtime i was like yeah i don't like it." He was like are you out of your mind what are you talking about what that's the one song i would have picked for you yeah and um, I skipped over. So I went back and listened. And I was like, oh, yeah, put that in the pile. Let's put it on hold. Let's, let's get ready to put it in the studio. But when I found out the guys wrote it, um, I love those dudes. They're, they're Garrett I've known for a while. Uh, and then, obviously, Zach Beacon I know pretty well. So they're, they're good dudes. Uh, they're really funny. And they're just they're, they're very talented. So it's cool to have a song with those guys. Because my producer was also the original member of Restless Road, um, Jared Kime.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love it. So I think my favorite thing about kind of creatively that you've done with this new project is you have taken one tequila and that kind of fun storyline and brought it over to your new downtime music video that I have gotten to see already. I love. So was that intentional or was that kind of more the mastermind kind of behind it all as the vision came together? You're like, Oh, this could be kind of fun.
1: Yeah. It came together. the, The last part kind of came together after we finished the first part while we were in the process of putting the first part together. Cause I, I had been watching Narcos and then I'd been following the guys from Midland. And I was like, what can I do besides the mustache? I should have grown a mustache for it. Uh, and then shaved it whenever we we're going to downtime. So I'm trying to disguise myself, but you know, you'll, sometimes the be- best ideas come after you've already done it. So um, you like drinking too much. It's a great idea not to drink too much, but mm-hmm. after you've already done it, you know, Yep. So uh yeah, we were we were putting together the idea, trying to figure out what we were gonna do for for one tequila. And we had thrown out some ideas, like maybe just hang out with the girl and drink a tequila. I was like, boring. Let's do something that feels like a movie. And this idea I was throwing out, my manager was just running around like in his head, like, this is gonna cost a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely not. No. And then the producer Hannah Hall was like, No, I think we can do this for for way cheaper. Like, I think we can, we can actually make this work. We might be able to even knock out two videos with one budget. Yeah. So she she came together and busted her ass and, and she cut down production crew and just she really got in the nitty gritty with herself and, um, you know, found Dara, who is the girl in the music video. She's awesome. Very talented. And then once we kind of, I was like, how can I be an undercover drug mule agent? thing you know then fall in love with the tequila smuggler girl and then run away with her and everybody was just kind of like okay slow down and i was like and then i have a gun and then you know getting a shootout and it was just wild and then everybody's like let's just dial this back a little bit and then downtime just felt a little bit more like it came together it just felt natural to just be on the run there wasn't too much to adding to being on the run other than a lot of touchy scenes and being in a car and a motel and
0: all very that bonnie stuff. and clyde-esque is kind of what that, that's
1: exactly what it was bonnie and clyde was referred to a lot and if you can't tell you know the 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 ep the whole thing is like somebody put it in perspective for me like my songs are very steamy there's a lot of like you know romantic Things You know, and, and I don't know why. I think it just comes from the territory of maybe being drawn to like early Billy Currington. And his stuff was always just like sultry and romantic. And so my mind has always been fascinated with his music, the early days.
0: Yeah. And now he's got this really crazy hair. I saw him at CMA Fest and almost yeah. didn't recognize him. I think he's been in Hawaii a little too long.
1: I, You know, being down in Key West this past week, I was like, I, I get it. I get why he does this. This is not bad, you know, because when you're out there swimming, and there's sharks and dolphins and manatees and cool shit out there. It's like, I, I get used to this. It's cool.
0: I love it. So to wrap things up here, what's one thing that you want to continue to work on this year?
1: I just want to play shows. I feel like this past year, it's been light show-wise and it's driving me nuts and i'm going crazy and i feel like i have all this pent-up energy that i need to like get out on the road um so i'm excited to get out there do that and then i'm really excited to to obviously the whole generic thing of me putting out new music like every artist says that but i genuinely am really excited i want to keep that momentum going but i also don't want to forget about these songs you know these in today's day and age
0: and let them you know, be put out yeah
1: they, they move on so fast and it's like you need to have a video you need to have a song blow up on social media tiktok and things before it gets any life and that just drives me nuts so i was like you know what we're gonna milk every bit out of this you know because a song that might not be new to you there's a million other people on tiktok that haven't heard it yet so it's still a new song until it's not new anymore and um you know there's no definition for like what's new and what's old so just keeping them going
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much. We're super excited to have you in September. You know, I live like within stumbling distance of Carol. So I'm really excited.
1: <laughs> I, I, I've never been. Um, I just saw uh, Dylan Marlowe a while back had posted from Planet Carol's maybe last year. And so yeah, he was, was just like, oh, there
0: cool. and got up on the bar. It was quite the show.
1: Well, I now have to one up that. <laughs> He's a good dude. I'm I'm excited to see what happens for him. At, but yeah, I'm excited to go to, uh, to uh, Carol's and see what happens.
0: It'll be fun. Well, we'll see you there. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. And we're super excited about everything for you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right. See ya. My name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at BackstageBobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you loved this episode, please rate and review wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends, Restless Road, for recording our incredible theme music for this podcast.